If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis. When we start in the book of Genesis, we find a lot about this wonderful God that we love so much. This book, written by Moses, and again passed down, no doubt, through oral traditions, Moses, as he penned this book, as God revealed to him these things, it's such an interesting book. It's one of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, which we find um, the Torah, which, which most Jewish people will center their faith on. And yet today we find so many Jewish people that don't and won't. But yet it's all here. Everything you need to know about the Bible. Now, it's interesting in the Gospels, we find the book of of Genesis mentioned in the New Testament uh, at least 165 times, if not more. And some of those are repeated. So if you you count all the repeated uh, quotes out of Genesis, plus the other ones, you end up with more than 200 quotes out of the book of Genesis. Why is that important? Because it gives the Bible gives the book of Genesis great credibility. And that's what, unfortunately, the evolutionists go after is uh, the whole how we all got here. Now, again, when we look at this, the, the reason why it's important, you need to know how to defend your faith against the agnostics, the atheists, the evolutionists, and all the other uh, groups out there so that you don't seem to be a kook. In other words, what I like to do is I like to take their argument, spin it around, and lay it on them. Why is that? Because it makes them think. They come to you sometimes accusatory that you are like a, a, an ill-informed human being with all all the age of science now. Something we need to remember always, science has never proved evolution true. It is a religion. Now again, why is that important? Because they will come to you and say, do you mean to tell me you base your life off of everything that the Bible says? Well, by the very nature of their question, you base your life on something. What are you basing your life on? Now, all of a sudden, the burden of proof is no longer on me. It's on them, for they're the ones that ask the question. I, somebody said one time, a good, a good um, counselor is a good listener. And I, I really believe, friends, we as Christians, we are counselors for a lost world. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, what does that mean? We're the ones, as Paul said, a bridge builder. We're the ones that take where they're at... And we, we want to bring them where God wants them to be. That's why I use, as an example, Halloween as an example. Evil day, but it's a day in which people are out looking for candy. I pray they get something so much more. I've had people call on the phone on to every man and answer and saying, how dare you celebrate Christmas? I go, Really? Now, I didn't know whether I'm talking to a super spiritual, in their own mind, Christian or somebody from the ACLU. I really didn't know who I was talking to. Am I talking to an atheist here, or am I talking to an arrogant Christian? I don't get it. The one thing that the world agrees on, the 25th of December, there was somebody that came once upon a time to redeem man of their sins. What a terrible tragedy it would be to miss that day in which the world is looking for a Savior. Whether it was the 25th of December or the 1st of April or some other day in history. You say, why did I mention April 1st? 
Because only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, we don't know what day Jesus was born on. I think it's kind of neat in that regard, because we can celebrate Christmas every day then, huh? Well, the truth of the matter is, God had a beginning for the redemption of man through Jesus Christ. God stepped out of eternity into time, walked with man that he created. That's important to understand who Jesus is. Now, when we go to 1 John, excuse me, uh, uh, the book of John, it says, all things were made by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, and without him, Jesus Christ, not anything that's made is made. So when we... When we um, Pray to God, we understand that Jesus is the builder of everything we see. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you to give us your wisdom as we read these things, that God, just what we're reading, it goes so much deeper. And so we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts and Lord, help us better understand our eternity with you, knowing our beginning that you had it all under control. And so as we commit this time to you, Lord, help us remember these things. Help us be able to defend our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Genesis, Elohim bara the heavens and the earth. That's the Hebrew. Now, what does that mean? Well, it says, in the beginning. That's what the word Genesis means, the beginnings. So I think this is important. God, and who is God? The Bible in this particular place uses the word Elohim. El, the mighty God. Him, speaking of plural. The gods created the heavens and the earth. Now, now this isn't Zeus and Hermes and Buddha and everybody else that's out there being offered as some kind of a god. The Bible tells us who this Elohim is. And if you go, we see all the way through the Bible, these pictures of who our God is. We find Jesus saying, before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 59, the verse after it says, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Jesus was claiming to be God. We remember when Jesus began his earthly ministry. He was baptized. There was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And uh, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down and rested upon him. We remember when Jesus, right before he was crucified in the garden, was crying out to his father in heaven. We do understand that the God we serve is pluralistic. In other words, it's not three gods, but it's one God being manifested in three personages. You say, well, how can that be? I don't know. I don't know how you can be 300% of anything, but Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit is. And that's something we always have to rest in. This is why the Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 22, he that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. Some pretty serious words for those that try to make it a singular God like the Jehovah's Witnesses and other groups out there that Jesus is nothing more than Michael the Archangel. Now, I don't mean to uh, name, he names names. Yeah, I do. Because I I, I like to equip you to do a better job for what God's called you to do. It always helps if I'm talking to somebody and I get a better understanding of what their belief system is so I can go through lovingly and correct them. Now remember, 
Whenever we witness, whenever we share, we never do it from the point of arrogance. I am smart. You are stupid. That is one of the worst ways I've ever seen anybody minister the word of God. Because it comes from a stance of I'm superior. Remember, it's Jesus Christ, the author, finisher of our faith. He's what lights our fire. He's what makes us what we are. And we always have to remember that the minute that we begin to think we are something, the Bible says we are what? Nothing. We have to go back and realize the source of our strength. Always remember that. Now, the reason why this is important. In the beginning, in the origination of all things, Elohim, the pluralistic God. And the reason why this is important, friends, when we get farther up, when we get to the creation of man, when we get to the creation of man, it says, let us make man in our image. So this is why it's important to understand the plurality of God, or we might say the Elohim. And the word here created means to create from nothing. This is in the very first book of the Bible, the very first verse in the Bible, the whole essence of who God is and you as a Christian being found in him, what that means for you and me. Why is that important? Because God creates from nothing. God creates from nothing. People say, well, I'd like to believe that, but I don't see how that could ever be. God creates from nothing. That's what the word bara means. Now, everything you see was created from things invisible. Now we know through the advancement of in the last 150 years, the atom. We have the, the uh, proton and neutrons and, and what holds that together in the center is a mystery. They don't understand what holds the center of an atom together with the different elements, the different charges of electricity and the neutrons swinging around it. Why doesn't this thing just blow up? Well, that's one of the things Einstein said. I don't know why it doesn't blow up. But if you could tear the center of the atom apart, you would get a chain reaction. And in that chain reaction, you would have what? A nuclear explosion. And that's exactly the principle of how an atomic bomb works. To tear the center of the atom apart. It's kind of weird. You're kind of like tearing right into the very God that holds everything together. And so by by doing that, so everything that you see is electrons An energy that's been condensed into a chair or carpet or you. You go, wow, how does God do that? Make everything from nothing. Well, here's the thing. It's the principle of God. Now, the more you understand and know who God is, the more you will know who you are because you were created by him and you were created by him, not as a cosmic mistake. See, this is the great problem between evolution and Christianity. Evolution says everything you see is random happenstance, lightning hit a swamp, a bunch of squiggly things start swimming around the pool. You know the rest of the story. They grow fins. They grew legs. They got out of the swamp. The fins fell off, grew a bunch of hair, shaved their hair off, and became truck drivers. Okay. That's evolution. Everything is random happenstance. But nowhere in the, in the, in the scientific world 
Does random happenstance ever create order? Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's things that are very orderly in God's creation. Do you realize that if the gravity was twice as much on this earth as it is now, we'd be about half our size? Do you you realize that everything has to be exactly perfect? And I think God did little mind blowers out there, like even in our planets. They really can't explain Saturn's rings. They're beautiful to look at, but they're so thin. And they're comprised of particles. And how did those compress and get into that, that form? Why is it that some of the planets have moons that travel one way and other moons on the same planet travel the other way. Do you know how hard it is to get something in geosynchronous orbit? CSN radio, we uplink our signal to over 450 radio stations across the United States. And we shoot at these particular satellites that are over the equator. So it's cold as it is right here. We do have something that's going over the equator right now. Just a thought. And they have corrective jets on these satellites that when they begin to drift out of orbit in their geosynchronous orbit, they and it just moves the satellite back up to where it's supposed to be. And then after a period of time and it starts drifting, it moves it back over. And this is what happened. And a lot of satellites fall out of orbit because the little rockets go and they're done. And the, and the satellite goes, whoa. And that's when we find them reentering our Earth's surface. And um, whether it be um, some of the Russian ones or even our own, they burn up in the atmosphere, hopefully, before they hit the Earth. But the point is, they have to continually correct them so they'll stay in geosynchronous orbit. The moons, when you stop to think about it, how this all works, it has to be created. And the Bible says God created everything from nothing. You say, well, Mike, that's really neat. That was a long time ago. How does that affect me today? Good question. One of the things you'll find in your Christian experience, you need a God that creates from nothing. Now, remember when they came to Jesus, it was getting late in the day, and they said, Lord, send them away. Send them into the villages so they can get something to eat. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And so they said, well, we don't have enough here. One of the disciples said, piles of money wouldn't be enough money to feed all these people. He goes, what do you have? Well, we have two loaves and uh, we have uh, two, two fish and five loaves. He goes, but what is that amongst so many? Bring them to me. Jesus blessed them. He broke them and he multiplied them. This is what God does. God does not know the word can't. And if you remember this always in your life, can't never did nothing. You are not called to be a can't. You're called to be a doer. And the thing is, you say, but Mike, I don't have the resources to do what God wants me to do. If you're where God wants you to be, the God who makes from nothing will provide. Always remember that. And the thing is, remember this, God's Ways are far above your ways. I had somebody come to me one time from a magazine, and they said, where did you get the idea of of building all these radio stations? 
And I said, I never had a dream to do that. What? You mean this wasn't your vision and all this great man of vision? Nope. My vision was this big. About the size of a quarter, maybe. Because I would have maybe been happy with one station or maybe even that. But God has a way of making things so much bigger. And we limit God because we don't understand bara. We don't understand God is the God who makes from nothing. And when we're doing what God calls us to do, you'll see the hand of God manifest through your life through bara. God creates from nothing. Now, sometimes as we're going to get up a little bit farther here, God creates by reforming things. Now, God does that too. But the thing is, God is not limited by any lack in your life this morning. And that's what you always have to remember. Because we think sometimes, somebody said one time, our God is too small. Many for us as Christians, our God is too small. Why? Because we like to put God in a box. Well, God can't do that. Well, God can do that. And God does it with amazing people like you and me that oftentimes in the intellectual world would say, that truly is impossible. You're right. But for God, it ain't. Always remember how big your God is. In the beginning, I shared this last week, we're in the World Series right now, in the big inning, people say, look, baseball's in the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, Bara, created from nothing the heavens and the earth. Now, evidently, when God created the earth, it was a blob. I don't know completely what it is, but you had the expanse of the sky, and you had a blob. Now, this is encouraging to me. If God can make everything that we see from a blob, what can he do with us? Sometimes I only feel just slightly above a blob. But you know, God does great things with it. You know why God likes to do that? Because God gets the glory. You know, if God only used the wealthy and the beautiful to do his work, people would say, oh yeah, well, the reason God's work gets done is look at Daddy Warbucks. Or yeah, with a face like that, who could say no? But God uses us. And I like that because God is bigger than any inferior thing we may see in ourselves. The God who makes from nothing. He says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, again, when we look at this on the surface of everything, it was just a blob. He says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Now, I like this. The Spirit of God, the pneuma of God, was was hovering over this blob. You know why? God had big plans for that blob. Isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the believers? They didn't know what they were going to be. In fact, if you do a cursory study of the, of the disciples, you find that most of them were kind of losers. 
Even Peter cussed and swore he didn't know who Jesus was on the very night that he was, right before he was crucified, Peter's cussing and swearing he doesn't even know who he is. Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Listen, God, if you're in Christ today, God is hovering over you. He's got great things for you in the future. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, a lot of people have a problem with this. Why is that? Because God didn't make the sun until the fourth day. So what light is this? Don't know exactly. Her song years ago called Following a Different Light. I think it's a different light. Different kind of light, maybe we don't know. And by the way, there's a lot of different kind of light out there. There's the light that we see in our spectrum right now in this room. We know that there's infrared. We know that there's gamma rays. We also know as we study uh, the book of Revelation, that in the new heaven, where the Bible says that the, the layers of heaven, which are in 12 layers, it's a cube, uh, the Bible says that there's no sun there or moon, but Jesus himself is the light that lights everything. Wow, that's going to be different, but there's different light. You think about it. I don't know what light this is speaking of here. It may have been an infrared light to warm the blob. I don't know. Probably that would be my guess, at least to look at this. It's, in, it's interesting. They have infrared cameras. I've actually got a couple of these to uh, follow after uh, heat impressions and things. Or if you're looking at a transmitter, you can t- see what part is getting super hot over something else. But it's light. And you can go into a complete black room with absolutely no visible light. And this thing will light up light, and you can see everything in the room because of the heat imprint that it has. It is reading infrared heat, not visible light. It's incredible. What light is this? God said, let there be light. And there was light again. Now, as we read on here, it seems that this may very be what it is because we begin to find a division in the atmosphere. Now look, it says, God saw the light, saw that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, evidently, this could be one of two things. God took away the darkness. He divided the light. Now, by the way, the word dividing here is interesting when it comes. How many people have ever saw a prism? Not that thing they throw you in with the bars on it. I'm not talking to that. That's a prison. A prism. They're like a, they're like a clear, you know, and they shoot light into it. And what comes out the other side is every color of the rainbow. And it's interesting that the light is broken down in different wavelengths. You have from one end of the spectrum, the ultraviolets down to the infrareds and all the colors in between. By the way, our world is very complex. When you really begin to know, I think it's interesting that just now scientists is figuring out how complex our world really is. It's Couldn't have just have happened, but it had to be designed. God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, some people also believe that very possibly this is where God put the spin on the earth, the 23-degree tilt or whatever we have, and and then we have a turning. We have God's radiance, which we find in Revelation is going to be the source of light in the New Jerusalem. Maybe it's just his radiance shining on the blob 
the Holy Spirit uh, um, hovering above it. And he says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And so evening and morning were the first day. The word day here is the word in the Hebrew, yom. Now, if you go to Exodus 20, it says that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh, he rested. The idea that there is billions of years between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, which is called the gap theory, is kind of shot down there because clearly the Bible says that it was made in six days and on the seventh, God rested. Now, God gets things done. That's one thing I like about God. God gets it done. What is it that hassles you that you have a trouble getting done? You ever had that project that just nags you and you walk by it and you go, oh, yeah, I'll get to it in a week, in a month, in a year? before I die. We, we, we look at things like that. God gets it done. I like that about God. That's one good thing. The Bible says the God who never slumbers or sleeps. I like that. We have a God that works 24 hours on us. That's a good thing. I need that. But notice he says, evening in the morning, were the first day. Now, we have light now. We have maybe heat. We don't exactly know what light this is. Or maybe it is just the radiance of God as we find in Revelation. Now, remember something interesting. Revelation, the commentary for Revelation is the rest of the Bible. But in Revelation, we find concealed in it the rest of the Bible as well. So we can use these both ways. Well, he says, God said, verse 6, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from waters. Now, uh, I don't know how God did this, but whatever it was, maybe it was volcanic activity and ground shoves up over in Hawaii right now. Uh, There's uh, on the big island down towards the south. They keep adding new land. I guess Genesis 1-1 wasn't completely over there because it's still getting new land added uh, the volcano comes down, runs in the ocean, and it solidifies, and, and uh, it just gets bigger and bigger. It's crazy. But when we understand that somehow God did this. Now, remember something else. The world that you see now is not the world that God created. Just a couple of differences. The world that God originally created, this firmament, uh, and let's read a little bit more about this. God made the firmament, divided the waters from which were under the firmament from the waters which were above it, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and evening and morning were the second day. Now, what was the original world like? It's different. We find that it would have been more along the lines of a greenhouse. Because of the way that it was structured, God putting the vapor above and beneath. Also, there was no wind, no rain, no dust, um, uniform temperatures globally. Uh, Vegetation would be everywhere. There would be, at this point, with the firmament or the water in the upper atmosphere, it would have filtered out all the ultraviolet All the gamma rays, all that stuff would have been filtered out. Um, The hydrobolic pressure on the earth would have been much different. 
than it is right now. You know how we talk about how many inches of mercury and when it drops down, a storm comes, all this kind of stuff. They estimate if there was that much water in the upper atmosphere, the the hydrobolic pressure on us would have been a lot greater, which would have changed a lot of things. Now, when that ruptured, and the Bible says it ruptured in Genesis, when we get up a little bit farther into chapter 6, when that ruptured, The Bible says that it poured down rain and the wells of the deep broke open. Now, this is kind of interesting. We're going to get it. So the world, though, that we're reading about here may not have had the big mountain ranges that we see now. That probably came in the flood. But the way we see it now is that we have land. We have water. We have water in the ocean. Two-thirds of this planet is water. The one-third is land. And then there was water above, like a greenhouse effect. Now, many people attribute the water in the upper atmosphere filtering out the harmful ultraviolet gamma rays and all the other x-rays and all that stuff that's out there. They estimate that, that... This may have attributed to man's longevity, what people live to be a thousand. Imagine living to be almost a thousand years old. You could pay off your car and your house. Amazing. You you live that long and, and you could actually, you know, once you get everything paid for, you could actually go out and enjoy it. Well, this is the problem. A thousand years. Well, the thing is, when you look at um, what, uh, what sun does to your face, have you ever noticed that? You know, you know, when you're, you're young, you look in the mirror and so good looking and you look in the mirror and then 50 years later, you look in the mirror and here's all these wrinkles and your face looks like a catcher's mitt. And you're going, what's going on here? Well, the reason why is because we have these rays that come through and damage our skin. You see, your body theoretically should not die. Because your body replaces the cells that go bad, like you cut yourself. It heals itself. You, you, they say the body, as a matter of fact, that you're in right now, you won't be in in seven years. No, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm just talking about the cells reproducing. Your old cells die. They scrub off, whatever. You get a new, you, you come in and the problem is your body doesn't replicate the cells fast enough to prevent aging. That's where aging comes from. And they attribute uh, some of these problems to x-rays and gamma rays and ultraviolets and all these things. And so that's why we bathe ourselves with sunblock 90. So we'll not have the wrinkles. You notice as you get older, sometimes you go to the doctor. The doctor says, hey, you got a, you got a little spot on your arm here. I, I want to take a look at that. What's that caused by, Doc? Well, it's caused by you being out in the sun too much, not wearing a long sleeve shirt and a hat. Oh, okay. And so they start chopping and doing all the stuff. They did that to me. I had a friend. I had two different friends. One went in, girl, just a little dot on her leg, a little black dot. Went in, the skin doctor said, oh, he said, yeah, we'll take that right out. And when she woke up, she said from the operating table, Half her leg was missing. That dot had roots that had grown all the way around. I have a friend in Hawaii that um, we went and we were uh, buying a couple things from him as when we were over there. And, and uh, anyway, my little kids, you know, little kids are not intimidated by anything. You know that? And my little boy goes, mister, 
Where's your arm? Going, oh. And he goes, well, I'll tell you. Because, you know, I wanted to know too. But I wasn't going to ask. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, it was this side. And I thought maybe it was a car wreck he got into. He goes, no, 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 that's not what happened. He said, I went into the doctor and he said, I had a a little black dot on my arm and they didn't think it was any big deal. And they let it go a number of years until another doctor saw it. And he said, that's a melanoma. That's a serious skin cancer brought on by the sun, gamma ray. He goes, we better look at that. And they had realized that the roots had grown completely around his arm. And they said, you either we're either going to have to take your arm off or you're going to have to, you'll die. And so he said, no, cut away. The point is, is that we live in a fallen world. The world that God originally put man in was not like this world. But again, uh, we find people living before the flood, living to be almost a thousand years old. After the flood and subsequently up to the time of King David, by the time we get to King David, it was down to about 70 plus years. And that's about what we have now. Now, you're going to live longer than that. But as somebody said one time, you'll feel it every day. And if you get as you get older, you'll do that. Now, you don't have to be in your 70s. I talked to guys that I know that played football in high school that got injuries then. And now in their mid 30s, they say, man, I feel that injury every day. Yeah, because our bodies are in a state of Devo. We're looking for a new body. The Bible says God's going to give us a new one. When the rapture comes, you got a brand new body. All those that are that are dead in Christ, they're with the Lord, but their spirit is reunited with a new glorified body where we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years, the Bible says here on this earth. So the point is, is this. There was a filter that God had built around the earth, a perfect world. And again, because of the flood, that was ruptured. Okay, so he says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And so it was so, and God called the dry land earth and gathering together of the waters, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. By the way, this is important. God saw that it was good. You'll see this all the way through, which tells me there was no flaw in his creation. So when I see this and, and you know, and, 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 and little kids are just overwhelmed by dinosaurs and all these different things, uh, a lot of things that the evolutionists aren't telling you, as an example, in Texas, there are, uh, there's a place down in Texas where there were dinosaur prints and human prints at the same time. I don't know all about that. All I can tell you is perhaps God took on to the ark baby ones. They couldn't survive in the new world. That's my, my best solution for that. But we don't know when things went extinct. They actually found uh, some animals that they thought were prehistoric that were, but they had fresh tissue still in them. And they said, if these were billions of years old, that could not have been. So there's a lot of things that we won't completely get into, but remembering that evolution is a faith in nothing. Now, by the way, if you want to really make a, a evolutionist squirm, ask them where the transitory, that means an animal that was something for just a little bit and then became something else. Transitory or transitional life forms, where are they at? 
living or extinct. They don't have a a horse turning into a, a giraffe. They don't have a cat turning into a dog. They just say, well, and the way they explain it, I love this, sudden abruptness. I said, what? Sudden abruptness. Yeah, a a cat's been a cat for hundreds of years, and then all of a sudden it has babies and they're puppies. And they want us to believe that over believing that God created everything. Okay. Well, man, we got to save the planet, man, or it's global warming. I wish that would happen outside. Hey, it's October. We have a white ground outside. I like the idea of global warming. What can I do to contribute? The point is this. Hundreds of species are going to go extinct this year. Have you heard that? I have. No big deal. If you're an evolutionist, there's going to be a whole bunch of new creations by the end of the year, too. You see, you can't have it both ways. And see, they just tell this stuff to people because you're not taught to think in school anymore. You're taught what to believe, not how to think. And so when you begin to ask simple questions, oh, you get all kinds of ridicule and you get all kinds of, 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 of oh, you're, you're, you're primitive. If there's new species every year, if we have old ones that go, in, go extinct because of global warming, it shouldn't be a big deal. By the way, they can't really prove global warming either. This is a theory. There's a book out, NASA Scientists, and he said, we are not entering into a term of global warming. This is bad news for us. We're entering into a term of global cooling. This is based on sunspots, not on CO2. Now, he's a NASA scientist. I have the, I can give you more information on that if you'd like to, like to check that out. But he said, he said, this is not true. The guy that started the Weather Channel said that global warming is not true. Subsequently, it's been sold to others that are trying to push this religion of the new world, which is global warming, because it's going to unite the world. That's their idea. Sharing all the world. You say I'm a dreamer. Okay. John Lennon's song. But that's the idea. This is what's being sold to us. Well, the point is, God put man in a perfect environment. And as we'll read on, we're not going to, of course, even get through maybe even Genesis 1 next week, finish it. But the thing is, we're going to see that God's plan is not random, it's exact. And if God had a plan to make this earth and to put you and me on it, that means that God has a reason for us to be here. God doesn't make mistakes. You say, well, I don't know who God is. That's a problem, isn't it? Because if you don't know who God is, you won't know the one that would borrow in your life. You don't know the one that would create in your life from nothing. But that's what God does. That's an attribute of God to make something from nothing. You might say, my life is nothing, Mike. Great news. You have a God that specializes in changing that. Now, again, trusting him, letting him do what he wants to do in your life requires one thing, a change of my will. There's only 
room for one will in your life, either yours or God's. And if you haven't lived long enough to know that your will doesn't really accomplish much, oh, you might have all the money in the world. You may have lost all the money in the world. But no matter where you're at in that spectrum, there's still an emptiness inside. And that's because God created you for his purpose. Now, again, people think, well, what's that going to be? I don't know. God is, is so big If he can make this world, if he can speak it into existence and make it from nothing, what's God going to do in your life? Do you realize that we settle for so much less than God has for us? And so I just tell everyone, let God have your life. Do what he wants you to do and you will be blessed. And when you look over your life in retrospect, You're not going to be cringing, going, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You're going to say, God, there's a lot of things in my life I wish I wouldn't have done. But the one thing I did do right was I let you have my life. And you're living your life through me to do what you want to do in my life for your kingdom. And that, friends, carries an eternal reward and you with it. Wow. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ. I want to invite you to pray and let God do what he wants to do in your life. He will. God made this. We got through the first two days of creation. There's so much more. Because it doesn't stop in the Garden of Eden, it keeps going in God. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and you need to pray and let the Lord do what he wants to do in your life, let's pray. Let's see what God will do. Because God does great and wonderful things in our life. So if you need to pray, let's pray right now. Let's just see what God will do. Father, I turn my life over to you in Jesus' name. I am tired of living my life in regret. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Do with me as you wish. Open and close the doors according to your will. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And please, forgive my sins that keep me from being what you want me to be. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And so now, write my name in your book of life. I can live with you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.